0: Our world as you know is getting darker and darker by the day and as Christians we might be tempted to cloister ourselves away, hiding from what people in the world might say or do to us, but friends we have the very light and glory of the gospel which is the power of God. And on February 17th, we're going to have an evangelistic seminar to bolster our confidence in the all-surpassing power of the gospel. Now, it's something you're not going to want to miss. It's just going to be one day, February 17th, starting at 9 a.m., we'll feed you lunch. If you're interested in signing up, go to the central hub of our website, and you can find more details there. But it's going to be something I encourage all of us to come to you have a Bible, if you can open up about the first, kind of in the middle, not quite, to Psalm 23. Today I invite you, as we open to this chapter, we open to one of the most famous poems ever penned. And one of the most beloved chapters in the whole Bible. Now you have to know, this year I didn't plan on preaching from Psalm 23. But over Christmas break, this psalm just grabbed me and forced my attention. I ran across this little book. Actually, Tiffany, my wife, bought this little book called The Lord of Psalm 23. I sat down to have my quiet time. It's kind of a shiny cover. I noticed it. I got distracted from what I was going to read. I read this. And I was like, oh my goodness. This psalm, imprinted itself on my soul and for me as I read this psalm it's become an invitation to come closer to come closer to the shepherd of our souls and this is what I've experienced and it's something I want all of us to experience together you see this psalm stands as an invitation that shouts come closer come closer to the Lord who provides for all your needs Come closer to the one who knows what you need better than what you do. Come closer to the one who delights to care for you. Come closer to the Lord who protects you and defends your cause tirelessly. Come closer to the one who is only always generous. And as you get closer, you find that he can indeed be your Everything, and that's why it seems appropriate here at the beginning of the year in 2024 to consider this psalm for three weeks. I'm going to read the whole thing, but this morning we're going to focus on verses 1 through 3 as we hear a call to come closer to the Good Shepherd. I'm going to read beginning in verse 1. If you have a Bible, follow along with me. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray briefly before we begin. Lord, please help us to hear your voice this morning and to see you as who you really are, the Good Shepherd, the Shepherd of our souls. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. This invitation to come closer to your shepherd comes in three parts this morning. First, we read about the Lord, your shepherd. Now, if you read Psalm 1 all the way through Psalm 22, you're going to find different metaphors for the Lord that exude power and protection. We find in those Psalms, Psalms 1 through 22, that the Lord is compared to a king. He's compared to a deliverer. He's compared to a rock. He's compared to a shield. All good, solid metaphors, but not very personal. I don't interact well with rocks. And kings, I've never met one. And when I have to have a shield, I don't think, my friend. But here we get the most personal metaphor thus far in the Psalms a shepherd. The shepherd fit metaphor for the Lord, for Jesus, is, so, is famous. Even Jesus picks it up in John chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now, the trouble with the metaphor of shepherd is that we live in the industrial age, and few of us know shepherds, and none of us are shepherds. But for the ancient Judeans, they all knew shepherds. They probably had family members that were shepherds. And so what do we need to know about the shepherds and the sheep? Sheep have no natural defenses of their own. They are unable to find food on their own. Even more, they're apt to wander and get themselves into all kinds of dangerous situations. That includes... And this is the most dangerous thing for a sheep getting knocked on their back. And a sheep that gets knocked on its back cannot turn over and stand up on its own. In short, the sheep are utterly and completely dependent on a shepherd. And the shepherd, a good shepherd, has one overriding professional concern, and that is the welfare of the sheep in his charge. The shepherd works day and night to provide for every need of the flock. He needs to lead them to suitable grazing. He needs to lead them to springs or little desert brooks so that they could drink. He needs to know who's sick so that he can nurse them back to health, all the while watching out for a myriad of roaming predators and storms that rise up in the desert. David Gibson summarizes the shepherd role well, when he says, in the ancient Near East, this is just where Israel was, shepherds were entirely and absolutely responsible for their sheep. This is why the words of this psalm have nourished God's people ever since they were written down. From start to end, the language describing God is active, intensive, causative. He makes, he leads, he restores, he leads again. He is with me, he prepares, he anoints. Through the doorway of only six short verses, we enter a world of the most stunning beauty because of whom we meet once inside the psalm and because of what he does for us as we walk through life with him. Psalm 23 teaches that if we belong to Christ, we are in a world of active initiative, of strength, of leadership, of protection. It is a relationship of the very best and most secure intentional care. The Lord, friends, is my shepherd. That's what David says, and when you read that, you shouldn't think, well, that's good for David. If you're a Christian, he is your shepherd as well. Athanasius said it perfectly when he says, most of the scriptures speak to us, but the the Psalter or the Psalms speak for us. The Lord is Christian, if you're a Christian, if you're here following Jesus, the Lord himself personally is your shepherd. Now, who is the Lord that is your shepherd? If you'll look in your Bible, look at the word Lord, and you'll notice that that word has four capitalized letters. That is the English translator's way of telling us that David is using God's personal name. Sometimes it said Yahweh. It's the name so holy that the Israelites refused to say it or even spell it completely. The first time we hear of this name is when God gave this name to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. The Lord himself called Moses to go to Egypt and to lead his people from slavery. And he called him from the burning bush. Now Moses, if you read Exodus 3, and I'd commend you to do that, he's full of objections and questions. And here's one of them. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am, Forever, Thus, I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Now, the name Yahweh is derived from the same word as I am. Now, I am is a strange, odd name. It's downright confusing. But it shows the difference between us and the Lord. Joe Beakey explains in part that this name indicates he is the only one who remains constant because he is independent. See, we use the word I am to describe a state of being. If someone comes up to me and says, How are you? I'll say, I'm good, or I'm okay, or I'm not doing well, or I'm tired, or I'm hungry, or I'm whatever, right? And it changes. In ten minutes if you come up and ask me the same thing, I might say, I'm not good, I am good, I'm not hungry, I'm thirsty. It changes because we are changeable creatures. But this name, when he says, I am, it indicates just how very different he is from us. He always is. He is the one who was, and is, and is to come, and we have only lately come to be. He is constant. We are constantly changing. He needs no one and nothing. He just exists. We are dependent on more things than we can count to exist. Air, water, food, the sun. But he is from himself. We are not. He, friends, is not like us. And he does not need us. But he is our shepherd. He is our shepherd. That means he freely associates himself with us as our shepherd. He doesn't have to do this. He doesn't associate himself with us to get something out of us or to get some work done in the kingdom. He does it because of mercy and grace. Think about this. The Lord, who controls all things, he has a personal interest in you. The one who controls the rising and the setting of a billion suns is your personal shepherd. He cares about you not just in general. But he cares about you in the specifics of your life. He knows what discourages you. He knows what tempts you. He knows where you are apt to fail. He knows where you're weak. He knows what trips you up. And yet, he commits to be with you as your shepherd your whole life. He knows everything there is to know about you. He knows everything there is to know about me. And yet, he is in some ways, in many ways, in most ways, beyond our imagination and comprehension. Because this Lord, who is utterly and completely independent, is our shepherd, what does it mean? Well, the text tells us, it says next, I shall not want. That means we Christians will lack for nothing How is that possible? It almost sounds delusional. Verses 2 and 3 shows us how the Lord provides. How shall we not want? How does he provide all that we need? Well, verses 2 and 3 show us. We've met our shepherd. Now, we see that our shepherd always provides. Our shepherd always provides. Now, the shepherd is the one who decides what we really need. Now, what we want and what we need are often two very different things that we can very easily get confused. The Lord himself, the shepherd of the sheep, pledges to give us all that we need, but maybe not all that we want. And the picture, he teases this out, David does, in the picture of the shepherd and the sheep. What does he do? He makes me, verse 2 says, lie down in green pastures. Now, the sheep have to stand to eat, but they lie down to digest their food. And they will not naturally lie down. They have to be made to lie down. Otherwise, they will just continually walk around eating and eating and not digesting their food. And so what the shepherd has to do is lead them to a safe place so that they can lay down and digest their food. And a sheep will never lie down if they feel threatened or fearful, ever. And all herdsmen agree that the presence of the shepherd is what makes all the difference. If the shepherd is watching over the flock, they will know they are safe. He also leads them beside still waters. Still waters are the only kind of waters that sheep will drink from. They won't stick their face in a quickly moving current, and they will not venture out into the white water. The shepherd knows the natural springs and the watering holes, and the shepherd of this Psalm 23 is an arid desert, just like us. You got to do some research to find places where water is, right? If you go out in the desert, it's not like there's water everywhere you turn. You got to know the lay of the land, and that's what the shepherd knows. The shepherd also knows where the green pastures are. Now, I've I've traveled in the desert many times, and I'm not finding there's a lot of green pastures around. The only time you find green pastures is if people tend to them themselves, and the shepherd does that. He tends to different parts of the land so that he knows he can go back there with his sheep and have a safe place for them to be. He knows when his sheep need to drink. He knows when his sheep need to eat. He knows when they need to digest, and he knows where to lead them. What do we see? A shepherd provides everything the sheep need. As the shepherd provides everything for his sheep, our Lord provides all, Christians, our Lord provides all that we need. All that we need. This is helpful when we let this saturate our souls. We don't have to worry. We can trust and be content with the protection and the defense and the provision of our shepherd. He sees what we need, and he is good, and he will always respond in generosity. But yet we, like the sheep of Psalm 23, are apt to wander and get lost and go to try to find places all on our own because we think the shepherd doesn't understand. That kind of restlessness affects all of mankind. Augustine said, You have made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in You. And you know what? Sometimes we can fixate on things that we don't have and think the Lord doesn't notice or care. Maybe it's an unsatisfactory job. Maybe a troubled marriage. Maybe an ongoing sickness. A general sense of aimlessness. Maybe a way your husband needs to change, or a way your wife needs to change, or money or a car. We look at these things and we think, why isn't the Lord providing us these things? Friends, The Lord promises and pledges to give us all those things that we need. He has provided for us and continues to provide for us. Really, if you are a Christian, if you're truly a Christian, what do you lack? You have Jesus as your Savior, your Advocate, your Defender, your Friend, and your Shepherd. Think about Jesus. He became one of us, but he lived a harder life than any of us. Why? Because he did not sin. He never gave in. If there was anyone who could be judgmental, it would be him. He could see us falter. He could see us fail and say, I never did that. But we do that, don't we? We're experts at measuring ourselves against other people. When we find something someone else struggles with that we don't, we immediately are tempted to consider ourselves better than them. They're inferior. I'm here, they're there. We sneer at them, maybe on the inside. But that's not the way Jesus interacts with us. He only always looks at us with compassion, Even when we've made a mess of things. Even when we've rolled around in the mud of self-indulgence and laziness and lust and anger. The Lord doesn't look at us and say, oh my gosh, here we go again. He's never exasperated when we wander into unbelief, fear, lust laziness he gently calmly and tirelessly comes to our aid providing all that we need again and again and again our shepherd is so devoted to mercy that as the song says he robbed our sin to make us holy and now christians all we know from jesus is mercy kindness generosity forgiveness We might not have all we want. And we might all have questions. But if we're Christians, we have all we need. Because of this, we must, we can and must rest in Jesus. The one who purchased us with his life pledges himself to us. Not only will he not leave us or abandon us, he will always be with us. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He maintains a constant vigil over our souls without fail. But how often? How often do we try to provide for ourselves? And we, how often do we go to try to find rest in something else that is not Jesus? It's easy to get stressed and overwhelmed, and flee to things that bring quick, temporary, but fleeting comfort, comfort, like work, exercise, drinking, porn, cleaning, vacationing, eating, video games, music, traveling, fishing, whatever. None of these things will provide rest for your soul in the way that you desperately need. That's why we must come closer to the shepherd. We come closer because he is the one who knows where we need to lie down and rest so that we can process things. He's the one who knows where we should go to drink. So we need to come closer. How do we do that? Well, we listen to him and we speak to him. We listen to him whenever we read his word. We listen to Him whenever we sing His Word. We listen to Him whenever we come to church and hear the Word preached. We listen to Him when we study the Word. We listen to Him when we meditate on the Word. There is nothing more there is nothing we need so urgently and so regularly as the Word of God. It's very easy to be discipled by Joe Rogan or the latest podcast and not the Word of God. We must listen to Him to come closer to Him. We must also speak to Him. We speak to Him as we pray. Short prayers of desperation. Longer prayers of intercession. Prayers when we don't know what to say. Prayers when we just cry out for help. Daily prayers of thanksgiving. Regular prayers asking forgiveness or communicating gratefulness. See, we must come closer to Him by listening and speaking to our shepherd. and by the word and prayer we will find rest for our souls. Jesus himself says come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest. See the the key to 2024 is not finding some new spiritual life hack but it's getting to know your shepherd better. It's coming closer. We Christians have been given so much in Christ. We are the sons and daughters of God, never to be disowned. We're not just forgiven, but we're declared righteous. Jesus himself commits to act for our good. We will not taste the full force of death, and we will live together with him forever. These are the things that we have now, These are the things that we, if we did not have them, we would have no hope. But these needs are the needs that the Lord has provided for. And he's already given these to us. Why? Because he is our shepherd. He is the good shepherd, and we should come closer to our shepherd where there is no lack. We've seen the Lord is our shepherd, and we see that he will always provide, and we also see Thirdly, that the Lord sets us right. The Lord sets us right. That's my summary of verse 3. If you look at verse 3, it says, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He restores my soul. As I've said, sheep easily get themselves into trouble. Sometimes they crawl under fences, get around rocks, and get lost. Like I said earlier, the most common trouble a sheep faced is to become what's called cast. That's when they fall on the ground, and they land on their back, and they're literally unable to get up. Now, if there, if there is any other easier prey for a predator in all of creation, I don't know what it would be. But a sheep laying on its back, bleeding, and making a, making a whole kinds of bunch of noise, a bunch of ruckus, with its legs flopping around in the air. See, the shepherd must ensure that the sheep are on all fours, and if one is on its back, he can't just run over and put it back on its feet. The shepherd knows that the sheep's circulation is poor. And so if it's been on its back, he has to pick up the sheep and massage its legs until it can stand on its own. The blood has to get going again. And so this, the shepherd has to take a cast sheep and restore it to wholeness. Friends, we're just like that. We're apt to wander and fall over. As well it's false, far simpler than we think to wander into false teaching or embrace a grudge or give cover to sin and refuse to humble ourselves see maybe that's how we find ourselves today we can remember a time we sought him earnestly and maybe we've been distracted by many good things But the fire we once had for the Lord is gone. And you know what? We can make all kinds of excuses, can't we? Sheep laying on their back, making all kinds of noise. We're just the same. Imagine. Imagine a wandering Christian laying on their back. Well, we can imagine. I'll just lay down here. It's going to hurt to get back up. Laying on your back. And the sheep can't get up. And we've got... The sheep saying, well, I'm just going to explore different kinds of philosophies. I don't really need to go to church anymore. You know what? I'm not sure what my sexual preferences are. I've read the Bible enough. I've heard all those things. And then we get stuck. And oh, my goodness, there goes my knee. It seems, and we can make all kinds of excuses laying on the ground like that. But the truth is, we're stuck, and we can't put ourselves to right. This is why we need to rely on our shepherd and his ability to restore our souls. Notice it says, he restores my soul. I don't. You don't. We go to him. We go to Him and we confess those things that have gotten in the way. Maybe we've been distracted by good things. Maybe we've been trapped in some sin that's unrepentant. Maybe we've convinced ourselves that we don't need to be around other Christians. We need to go to Him, confess those things, and He will restore us. And sometimes the way the shepherd pursues us is by sending faithful friends to correct and reprove us. Other times, difficult life situations serve as a wake-up call. And still other times, we need to feel the utter futility of going our own way. But friends, often discipline precedes restoration. In fact, Discipline is often the means of restoration for wandering sheep. Is that where you find yourself today? Some of us need restoration not from sinful patterns, but just from suffering. The kind of suffering that seems to blot, all out, blot out all hope. In a room this size, I know there are many different flavors of suffering. There's physical pain, there's mental anguish, there's relational angst. And the problem with suffering is that despair speaks with a loud and authoritative voice. Despair and discouragement say things like, this will never change. You are a hopeless cause. You should just give up and it is not worth it. That's how despair speaks to us when we're doing poorly and we believe it. We have to interrupt that voice of despair and recognize that we can and will be restored as we go to our shepherd. You see... You see, oftentimes what suffering does is it causes us to isolate ourselves from other people and isolate ourselves from the Lord. And all of a sudden we're doing this so that we can protect ourselves, but we've only made ourselves vulnerable, putting ourselves on the ground, on our back, and we can't turn over. But the shepherd, as we move to him, he restores our soul. He will not leave us broken and battered. He will not leave us compromised and corrupt. He will pursue me as I wander. And He will not leave me to weep and wail alone. He will restore my soul. Why? He's the Good Shepherd. Friends, we must come closer to the Good Shepherd. He, and only He, will set you right. He not only restores the soul, But verse 3, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You see, it's that little phrase, that simple sentence that struck me like lightning out of the sky that day when I was reading Psalm 23. See, this sentence has recently fortified my soul. I've been through a rough five, six, seven-year spell. And my temptation is to look back and replay events in my mind and dwell on them and wonder about what I could have done differently and think, why did that happen? And think more about, why did that happen? And the effect is that I give in to self-pity. Why did that happen? Why won't they talk to me? Why didn't they ask questions? And when I struggle with self-pity, hope and purpose seem to flit away. And you know how I noticed it? I noticed it when I start to think about what am I praying for? You know what, over the past number of years, I've just been praying to make it through the day. And I make it through the day and I'm like, all right, I made it through the day, time for bed. Let's do this again tomorrow. I stopped praying big prayers or hoping for anything out of the ordinary because things have been so hard, I just want to make it. And that's no way to live. And so when I read, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I mean, for me, it's helpful that I can say the word me Not just us in general, but it's you particularly. It's me particularly. You know what this means? It means that he is going to lead me exactly on the right paths. Exactly. This could be rendered paths of righteousness, or this could be rendered in the right way. So as I look back, I may not be able to understand why and how and what the purpose is but i know i have a good shepherd and i know that he leads me in the right way not only that but he leads me not for my name's sake but his see that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake I'm probably not going to understand ever or agree with what the right way is because sheep rarely grasp the purposes of their shepherd. But I know my shepherd. And I know he's committed to me. This helps more than I can say. And I might not be the only one who's been through a hard spell. And you sit back and you wonder, was it all worth it? What was this all about? Why? I just want to give up. Oh no, friend. Look at the second half of verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. If you're a follower of Jesus, you might not understand all the reasons for the path you had to walk But you know it's for his name's sake. And it's not wasted, it's not worthless, and it matters. So if you're one of those people like me, who are apt to get discouraged and wonder, let this fortify your soul and come closer to your Shepherd. My path, your path, our lives are not about making a name for ourselves. It's about making, it's about living a life for his name's sake. My name is passing. He is the I am. David Gibson says, the shepherd has gone ahead of us, blazing a trail and leading the way. Notice he doesn't push from behind. See that? He leads me in paths of righteousness. It doesn't say he's behind me like a coach saying, go, 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 go. No, no. He's already come this way. He leads from the front saying, come, follow, come closer. The shepherd has gone ahead of us, blazing a trail and leading the way. And therefore, the path we are taking is one of righteousness or the right way. When we follow the Lord, we cannot fail to be on the right path. The path will not be easy, but if it's his path, it's worth it. So if you're a Christian, if you're following Jesus, come closer. If you're not, if you can't say the Lord is my shepherd, let me really encourage you to talk to someone you know that's a Christian. He can be your shepherd too. Do you know what qualifies us to follow Jesus? That we're sinners who've repented and put our faith in Him? We're ones who say, I don't want to be punished for my sins. I want Jesus punished for my sins. And in that, we are made new and we experience new life. You too can come to this shepherd and he can become your shepherd. Come closer. Friends, have you wandered off into pride? Come closer. Are you cast... In despair, come closer to the shepherd. Have you sought your own pastures of pleasure? Come closer to the shepherd. Have you escaped into a false rest of trying to control everything? Come closer to your shepherd. Have you tried to go your own way only to wander away? Come closer to your shepherd. Have you noticed that the fire you used to have For him and his purposes is almost out. Come closer to your shepherd. Are you lacking hope? Come to him. Come closer. The Lord is your and my and our shepherd. We will lack nothing even as he makes us lie down in green pastures, and leads us to still waters as he restores our soul, leading us each in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's pray.